Give me fuel, give me fire, give me that one to Can I say something that I think is bullshit? Doing food? Yes, we sell out. He also told me he was on acid. Hey, you better wash that mic off. I was gonna fill it up with my own urine. Alcoholica. And I talked about digging a hole in a fucking dirt and smoking hash through the ground. Oh, I don't know. There's all kinds of shit. And shower filled with women. <laughs> Sit your ass down, Lara. Shoot a pair of woman's legs walking down the street. Eight women washing you down at once, you know. Come up here, Lars points to me. <laughs> See, he said, there's Levi, see? And there he is, right there. And his skin is bubbling like on the Toxic Avenger. Boyfriends and dads looking for me. Ten minutes? Singing along, fucking along, doing the something the fuck along. Here we go! Hey, this is Edwin Outwater conductor and musical director of SNM2, and you're listening to And Podcast for All. guys welcome back to on podcast for all i'm shane obershaw rocking uh the show single this weekend jeff unfortunately cannot join us so bum this week season 12 episode 11 we have frankie kazarian on american professional american wrestler joining the show today huge metallica fan also a bass player great dude we're gonna get to him in a bit how about those paris shows are, are we digging the set list or what opening with bells are you kidding me Dennett, Dennett, Dan. Welcome to the show. We're going to kick your ass. Dennett, Dan. Uh, really digging that. I disappear. Blackened. Not really a surprise there, but glad it's there. Day That Never Comes. They played that uh, a couple weeks ago in Amsterdam. Is Day going to be a staple for uh, the rest of the summer? Night Two in Paris. Creep Harvester. Cyanide? Wow. Uh, curveball didn't see that coming whatsoever. Really digging that Cthulhu. <laughs> Cthulhu is is almost a every fourth or fifth show now. I mean, think of that. You open with Cthulhu. Cthulhu's in the middle. You open with Orion. Orion stuck around in the middle. Cthulhu was at uh, the Zazula Fort Lauderdale show. Speaking of Fort Lauderdale, I'm in Fort Lauderdale right now as I record this. Uh, just meant to be. Think of the years we went with no Cthulhu, and now it's 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 back as a normal song. Not complaining whatsoever. Fort Lauderdale, where was I going with that? Uh, saw Jason Newstead last night at Revolution Live. Newstead Metal is hopefully back. He kind of ran this show last night to kind of test the waters and see if it was something he's going to continue, possibly tour it again. Uh, great time last night. Saw a lot of the Metallica family from from near and far. New songs. Mostly new songs from Jason. A couple old songs. And yes, a uh, full version of Whiplash. Yeah, a little My Friend of Misery Doodle. And uh, a great show. He played for two hours in 20 minutes. Nothing wrong with that. 
$25 to hear a two and a half hour show from your hero in a, in a pretty intimate club setting. So Jason, well done. Hopefully we uh, see more from you soon. What more can we talk about before we talk some wrestling and some Talica? Did I cover it all? Jeff, it's so weird not having you here. I know you're listening. I know you're super bummed out because we're going to talk to Frankie Kazarian. I don't even know how to wrap this up. Jeff is missing out hardcore. Frankie's got a busy schedule. Jeff's got a busy schedule. I have a busy schedule. And here we are. Jeff not involved. Frankie Kazarian. Uh, Every league and company that I can think of in the wrestling world, he's uh, been a part of in 25 years. So enjoy the conversation with Frankie. Season 12, episode 11. And without further ado, because you don't want to hear me chat solo any fucking longer, off to California. Enjoy. Please welcome to the podcast for all, Mr. Frankie Kazarian. Dude, how are you? From Joshua Tree, California. Yep, out here on the West, man, in the Mojave Desert, in the Mojave Wastes. Not only a professional wrestler, but a professional Metallica fan. Is that safe to say? Correct. Yeah, I actually put that on my resume, professional Metallica fan, too. So, yeah, <laughs> if there was such a thing, I, I think I, I'd absolutely be a uh, a highly skilled professional Metallica fan. Yeah. I think we could legally put that on a resume. I th- just think of the opportunities that would open up for us. That would be great. You know, I don't, I don't know what jobs we could get. Um, but uh, I, hey, I see all your championship belts on the wall behind yeah, you. I, I mean, a couple of them. Yeah. What does that get you? But when you say you're a Metallica, a professional Metallica fan, I think that beats out the wrestling championships. Uh, at this point, I would have to agree with you, man. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. Tell me, Frankie, how does how does someone get into wrestling, let alone pro wrestling? I mean, where do you start? It's not like you know me growing up playing t ball, playing little league basketball, and flag football. Where do you start to like tell mom and dad, hey? I want to jump in the ring. Uh, well, you, you tell them just that. Uh, for me, I, I just celebrated my 25th year, uh, 25th anniversary of being in the business of my first wow. match. And Congrats. so I started, I started in 1998. Thank you. Um, but, you know, I began researching wrestling schools long before that. And this is in the um, early days of the Internet. So you couldn't like now if you just type in wrestling school, 25 of them will pop up in the state you lived in. Okay. When I, when I was coming up, um, the business was still very much protected. Uh, I had to send away for books um, that were written by people in the business. And they would then, uh, in these books, they told you about kind of the ins and outs of the pro wrestling business. And on the back, there was a list of all the schools in the United States and Canada. Uh, and at the time, there was probably maybe 15 schools all across you know, the U S and, and, uh, yeah. And so that's, that's kind of where I got my start. And so I sent away for, uh, information on some schools that I, um, was really interested in. Three of them caught my eye. One was the power plant, which was run by WCW at the time. Um, one was the heart dungeon, which is in Calgary where Bret Hart, obviously sure, in the, sure. the, the famous heart family train. And the other was killer Kowalski and, uh, his schools in Ma- uh, Malden, Massachusetts. And the reason I sent away to those three is because those were three schools where I knew the pedigree of students they were turning out. I knew that they were being run by people that have been where I wanted to go and done what I wanted to do. Uh, A chance meeting with Bret Hart. And I actually, before getting into the business, asked him and was, was, uh, you know, telling, telling him, me and my buddy were telling him that we were looking to train and, 
if he had a school that he would recommend, thinking for sure he would recommend his the Heart Camp, uh, he recommended Killer Kowalski. He said Killer Kowalski's really uh, training a lot of good guys right now. Uh, and that for me, Brett was one of my heroes. So that was all that was all I needed. So basically, saved up money for a solid year or so, and you know, 19, 20 years old, packed all my all my stuff into my crappy Chevy Citation, drove from <laughs> Yucca Valley, California to Malden, Massachusetts, and began this journey some 25 years ago, man. That's a long drive. It's like Metallica hopping in the U-Haul from oh, California man, to yeah. New York. I listened to I, I Pretty much it, it was like that. I mean, a lot of disasters, blown out tires, and uh, oh, boy, yeah. I, uh, you know, li- listening to, um, you know, the the Load and Reload album, a lot on, on that because this was, this was early 98 and those were the, this was before garage days had come out. Uh, so those are two most recent Metallica. I've listened to all the albums, of course, but uh, those, those records in particular got me through that long ass drive. You're like, I'm pretty sure loads the longest record to date at 78 minutes and 59 yeah. seconds. So if I listen to this for the next, if I listen to load 187 times, yeah. I'll be there. Yeah, for for twelve hours a day for five days or whatever it took me. So, yeah. What? Tell me, uh, tell me what mom and dad say when you say uh, I'm driving to wrestling school. See you later. So they were very supportive, man. Like they knew I w- I've been a fan. I've been, you know, I was obsessed with the business since the first match I saw, which was when I was about eight years old. And um, uh, you know, and my dad would watch it with me, and my mom also, and they would take me to events here in L.A. And, uh, I, you know, I, oh, I, you know, love is, is not a strong enough word. I was obsessed and just, it was the only thing I was ever passionate about. You know, I, I, um, I was a signature away from joining the Navy. I did really good on my ASVAB tests and, uh, nice. that was one route I was going to take. I had an uncle that was, um, uh, in the Navy and I was kind of inspired by him. And, uh, that was a route I was, uh, really considering, but, um, when it came right down to it, you know, reading about everything. And I'm just like, man, I'm not a fall in line guy. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a take orders guy. Like I've always had a little bit of a rebellious spirit to me. So I was like, it's not going to work out. I flirted with, I I applied for a junior college in San Diego just because it was the thing to do. My heart was never in it. You know, it was like wrestling was the thing, but but it's not something you want to admit when, you know, you're, you know, everyone else in your class is going to college and going to the military and going to vocational school, whatever it is. And, you know, I'm, I'm like my dirty little wrestling secret. But uh, when I finally, you know, and, and it was it was, you know, this couple of years after I graduated high school and, and when my parents finally had that conversation, I said, look, at, I want to I want to become a pro wrestler. And and they were all like, well, if you're going to do it, you know, we support you do it full on. And awesome. um, so, yeah, I'm, I've, to, to the whole time I've had I've had their support. So. Uh, and a lot of people aren't that fortunate. So very, very blessed. And with your career in championships and resume, I think you, you chose the right fork in the road, man. What a, what a story. You're thinking military and, you, and you're going into wrestling. And something tells me your heroes were maybe Hulk Hogan, Jake the Snake, Ultimate Warrior. Yeah, all guys. I mean, you know, the, I, I grew up in the 80s. Um, I'm 45 years old. So, you know, the 80s, it, wrestling bit me right when the business was white hot with the rock and wrestling connection. Uh yeah, you know, all those larger-than-life characters, you know, I, I always gravitated towards the smaller, more athletic wrestlers of like Ricky Steamboat and Tito Santana and, you know, Bret Hart and, like I said, later Shawn Michaels and Shawn Waltman, those guys, but certainly was was a huge fan of the Ultimate Warrior. He was like a, I mean, 
his music that really struck struck my my love of rock that that you know those just those opening chords and his look and everything and sure. uh yeah, I mean, I, I was just, I was all in. I was an 80s kid and, and WWF in particular just just grabbed me and captured a part of my imagination that just, it, I haven't been able to let go. I was born in 81, so the late 80s, I was kind of checking it out in the early 90s. I mean, 80s when it exploded in the early 90s. I'm still blown away in 2023 how big the sport it's, it's, has yeah. gotten or still is when you think of all these different leagues. It's yeah, unbelievable. It's, you know, like there, there may not be as many people watching it on any given Monday or Thursday in terms of sheer numbers. Um, also, the way we consume television isn't the same either. But I will say this, that wrestling fans are very loyal and they will spend money. Like they are very, very invested and very, very, they're all in on the product, whether it's Impact Wrestling WWE, uh, New Japan, um, AEW, sure. they're, they're all in. And I know that because I was one of them and I still am. Uh, so very, very loyal fan base and wrestling. It's, you know, it's such a unique art form that has been on television since the inception of TV. Like pro wrestling was, was a big, a big ratings draw in the, you know, in the fifties. So it's, um, it stood the test of time. It's, you know, it's, it's had its, its ups and downs. It's, uh, it's been attacked. It's been praised. It's um, it's almost like the cockroach of of uh, of, of entertainment, man. But you know, it's. I think at this point, it's just it's not going to go anywhere. It's you know, there are always going to be people that are attracted to, you know, the the spectacle of what is pro wrestling. Yeah, when I asked my neighbor, I'm like, "You paid how much for fucking WrestleMania on pay per view? Are you crazy?" He's like, "Dude, one miss it yeah. for the world." I'm like, "It's, it's, it's an impressive." Escape, man. Here in my. Uh, my grandpa Frankie back way back talk about the you know the olden yeah. days back when I pictured everything was yeah. black and white. Oh yeah, same. My my. <laughs> I mean my... he he would talk about the original days. He's like, it just ain't the same anymore. But I'm still watching it. And I'm gonna watch this till the day I die. Yeah. You're not gonna get it out of me. This is my fucking life. I'm like that is hard. It's an escape, you know. The same the same way uh, you know the Walking Dead and Sons of Anarchy is, and the same way music is for us, and the same way. Uh, you know, a Marvel movie is or a, any any franchise that you love. Uh, it's an escape. You know, it's a way to put aside all the crap that's going on in your life and relax and, and, and just, you know, get invested in these characters you're seeing do these amazing st- stunts sure. in essence, you know. Stunts, art, yes. death-defying, unbelievable stuff. You'll, you'll laugh at this. Uh, Jeff and I are in a Metallica tribute band. We had Mick Foley open up for us about five six years ago in columbus ohio going from you know the famous cage jumper man to being a comedian before a rock and roll uh you know show kind of come full circle to so to talk to to talk to him about those old days in the 80s just just a classic character uh mix what what a wonderful human being genuine dude and yeah one of those guys that you know came up the right way and you know went through all types of trials and tribulations and came out on the other side you know an even better person. Um, yeah, that's cool to hear that. Yeah, I checked after our uh, after I, I chatted with you guys on Jericho's podcast. I looked up your guys' stuff, your music, and your live show, and uh, you guys are really good, man. Thank you. Got your uh, yeah, thank really you. Good stuff, man. I'm a you know anything Metallica, I'm all in. So I was like, I watched watched a uh, performance of Fade to Black. You guys did it was really good. I was like, man, these guys are yeah. So as as a, also as a musician myself, you know, it's just it's always cool to see that man. Always fun, man. How long have you been playing bass? 
So I've been playing bass for, I got my first bass guitar when I was about 18. My grandfather was a musician and uh, he gave me his, um, when I told him I was interested in playing bass, uh, he, he said, stay right there. He comes out and he gives me, opens up this case. It's a 1966 Fender Mustang bass, which was the first year that Fender made the Mustang. It's a red and white short scale uh, first, first year, first year they made them. And I still have that to this day. And that's the base I learned on and, uh, taught myself, um, you know, tablature and learn by ear and everything. And, and sure. just started, started playing since then. And, um, have, have played the entire time, although wrestling has kept me very busy, but really in the last decade, you know, been in a couple bands and my current band gutter candy, I've been with over five years and we've released, you know, a lot of music and mm-hmm. it's, I've really trying to take it to the next level, you know, especially as, you know, pro wrestling, I'm not going to be able to do forever. Let, let's put it this way. I can probably stand up and play the bass guitar a lot longer than I can, you know, jumping uh, around the get, ring, <laughs> get thrown out of the ring or get, or get dumped on my head. So yeah, but that's it's always, that's again, that's another escape for me. It's another creative outlet that I get to do that. I get to, you know, jamming with my buddies, playing gigs, just all that stuff. I, I love that as much as I, as I love being in the ring. What's the average age when people say, I can't do this anymore. I got to bow out. It really depends. I mean, I've got, I've seen people in their, in their, you know, take so much wear and tear on their bodies. They're out by the time they're early thirties. Okay. Um, I've turned 45 last year. I feel great. I feel honestly better than I ever have. Um, it used to be back in the day, guys wouldn't really hit their stride until their mid thirties. Uh, because in this, because the one thing you can't teach is experience. And in this business experience is so crucial. Um, so it really just depends on how well you take care of yourself. Nowadays, we're, uh, my generation and the generation that follows me, we're a lot more aware of training smart, eating right, um, avoiding um, extracurricular activities that may shorten your career and or your life. So um, it really, it really depends on the individual. Um, You're starting to sound like Metallica. Yeah. 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 That's we just have it, a, you know, we have a chef. We have a yoga master. We have, yeah. we have a gym in the back of one of the trucks. We're, uh, we're in bed by midnight and, uh, the old days have kind of gone by the way. Yeah. And that's, that's, you know, it's, it's at this point it's, you still work hard, but you work smart. Uh, you know, just, uh, training for, for, you know, for flexibility and for function and, you know, instead of back in the day, just training to get size and strength, you know, just, you know, all those things factor in and I'm inspired by somebody like a Chris Jericho, who's in addition to being a very good friend of mine is, you know, uh, you know, 52 years old, doesn't look it, certainly doesn't act. It has been going for 30 years plus and is just still killing it. And, you know, and going further than that, I am inspired by James and by Lars and by all those guys and by Mick Jagger and by Sammy Hagar and by Steven Tyler, like these dudes, right. nobody's telling them, nobody's saying, get off the stage, old man, to these guys. Longevity you 101, know? it's impressive. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of longevity. That's just it. Anybody can get hot for a minute. Anybody can be on top for five years, 10 years. I like, show me the guys that have been doing this for 20 years, 30 years. That's what impresses me. Did you hear that, people? Chris Jericho, 52 years old, going on 23. It's honestly God. <laughs> Honestly, I, I don't know if I would say 23, man, maybe 13. Oh, man. Great guy. We've had fun with oh, him. We, we have similar. Oh, yeah. Oh, the, yeah. The good 72 dude. Seasons Wonder review us. we did with you, Frankie, was that was that was a hell of a time. It's just four good old boys chatting about our favorite love affair. Literally, I could I could do that all day. That's, you know, 
that's just like if we, if you guys were here, we'd be having beers and doing the same thing out back. You know? Absolutely. Well, let's get to it. When uh, when in the life did Metallica come in? What's your first memory that still remains? So nice. I see. I see what you did there. Uh, so my my gateway band into uh, like hard rock was Guns N' Roses. Nice. Uh, same here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Guns N' Roses hit in '87. So I same was, here. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was nine, going on ten. Uh, fifth grade, sixth grade, and uh, just captivated, man. Like uh, this band was just wow. Like seeing the Welcome to the Jungle video, and then just like wow. and all, everyone in the band had these the personality. Axel was, you know, obviously front man, just doing those this with an amazing voice and doing these killer moves, and this weird guy with a top hat and this hair in his face, and just playing an incredible guitar, and then kind of this quiet guy in the back with shades and a beret Izzy and then this crazy drummer with his mane of blonde hair and and then you had Duff this tall bleach blonde just punk rocker larger than Dude, life they, characters yes they captivated me man and and you know where they're from you know they're they're you know they're an LA based band I'm, I'm you know I'm not too far from LA I know the area I know the Sunset Strip um, and just I was all in I mean I, I, I had a Guns N' Roses shirt for every day of the week I to school, I'd work to school every day, and just, just you know, like a lot of kids my age, just obsessed. I had appetite, uh, and later lies, and just knew every song front to back. Um, and so that was, and everybody knew that, like that was like, oh, there's there's Frankie, the Guns N' Roses family. One day, a guy who I went to school with, a kid named Phil Sanchez, who was um, what we used to call, kind of like we used to call him like Hessians. Like the heavy metal guys, like at least out here, like if you liked heavy metal, you were a Hessian, and you know you disappointed me. I thought you were going to say we call them Dirty Sanchez. Yeah, no, yeah, that, <laughs> that would have been great though. Yeah, Dirty Sanchez, he could have been. Um, uh, I didn't know him that well, so possibly he's, he may be. Um, but anyways, he comes up to me one day and he um, he has a recorded cassette tape, Casio tape, and he goes, "Hey, if you like Guns and Roses, you'll like these guys." And he hands me a recorded cassette tape of Justice for All. And I said, okay. I went home, I put it in and heard Blackened and was kind of taken aback and listened to it. And my first thought was like, wow, I don't know if I'm ready for this. Like, <laughs> this is, yes, this is like, you know, there's, there's, there's rock and drums and guitars like Guns N' Roses, but this is something different. Like I was a little bit, a little bit, maybe even afraid you know, the same, the same, when I started listening to like Black Sabbath and like Iron Maiden and stuff, like some of those things were like a little woof. This is, I don't know. Should I be listening to this? Holy shit. Are we okay? It was dangerous, but that also attracted me to it. So, and then, you know, the one video comes out and I watch that and that's super dark. And I'm like, okay, you know, like this is cool. And so I kind of, kind of got on then. Uh, and kind of followed them from afar and black album came out and that just, sure. the, the, that, that just cemented it. Sure. As soon as the black album came out, I got that obsessed and then immediately went into their back catalog, immediately went out and bought kill ride master, an actual real version of justice and, uh, just, repeat, 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 repeat. And then even doing that went back and got into diamond head and black Sabbath and priest and maiden and thin Lizzie and, you know, and budgie and just all these other bands. 
Uh, and it just really started this love affair for thrash. And uh, I just, again, it was like the same way I got into pro wrestling and I couldn't consume enough. I couldn't read enough. I couldn't watch enough with Metallica. I couldn't buy enough magazines or books or DVDs or, or videos at the time. It was just an obsession, man. Uh, it sounds like we've had some uh, parallel lives in the past, Frankie. Totally understand. So you were rocking the Justice, the Justice tape and didn't even know Kill Ride and Puppets existed until the Black Album came out? Mm-mm. Interesting. Because, I, yeah, I just hadn't did. I, I you know, at, at the time, you know, again, I was, I was younger. Uh, and I had, you know, I had a buddy who uh, his older brothers were big metal heads. And they had, like, old Metallica posters and like old priest posters and stuff and like in their room. And uh, again, it always kind of like, it was like, wow, it looks cool, but it's kind of like scary, you know? So, yeah. So I didn't, you know, I, that Metallica, in addition to being my favorite band opened up this, this vault of just all this music that has now shaped who I am as a musician, as a person, as, as everything. Uh, so it's like, you know, that's why, you know, I have this love affair with this band because it's not just oh, a band that creates kick-ass music. It's, yeah, it's that, but it's like they open my eyes to this this entire. It's like almost when Dorothy opens the door in Wizard of Oz and everything's in color, where it had <laughs> right. been in black and white. You know, it's like wow, oh, right. this is the music. This is the music that speaks to me, and it's like I found all of this through Metallica, and it's you know, it still rings true to this day. You know, I saw the one video, and I would like I said, I would. Like I, I always remember just the, the breakdown part was always just like, my God, this is the fastest, scariest, most badass shit I've ever heard in my life. Um, and But I was like, God, it's so, but it's so dark. Like, God, what's wrong with these guys, man? Cause like, you know, like, you know, it was like, yeah, GNR had attitude, but like, there's, you know, chicks like GNR and like, you know, it was like fun. Like, I was like, this is like, this is a right. different corner of, of, of fans that like, that right. like these guys, you know. I was the same boat. I remember uh, my brother's 10 years older than I am. He had pictures, I think, from Hit Parader up on his wall underneath his desk. And I'm like, you know, as a nine-year-old, I'm like, Hetfield, didn't even know his name. I'm like, that motherfucker looks scary. Yeah, I'm used to watching Unskinny Bop, Paradise yeah. City from RFK Stadium. Right. Um, Every Rose Has His Thorn, any Bon Jovi video, you know, all in the round, lasers, colored lights. I still remember the first time I saw the one video. I was ap- actually scared to watch MTV. I'm like, these guys are fucking scary, and I yeah. don't like it. Yeah, they weren't smiling. They looked. James looked mad. You know, like and, none of them. And the only like reason it. I watched it is I was starting to learn drums at the time, and when the yeah. camera got down behind Lars's feet for the break, I'm like, this is the coolest view I've ever seen. I didn't even know what double bass was until the one video, and I'm like, I'm hooked. Say no more. You see, you see that heels up method that Lars is yeah. doing. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it was, just, again, you know, I was attracted to all the guys in Metallica the same way I was to GNR, especially when I, you know, watching the year and a half video and um, just getting to know them all. And like, you know, it's like, you probably feel the same way. Like, you know, I've been fortunate enough to meet two of them, but like, you feel like, I feel like I know James. Like, I feel like I've, James has been my, my right. buddy for 30 years. and same Next door neighbor. I know everything about him. <laughs> And Jason and all these guys, man, you know, it's like if you, if you feel that way because we're so, you know, we're so connected and, and, you know, they've even said the same thing. They said, like, you feel that connection too, which is, which is cool, man. I don't know if there's another band like, like them that has that, that link, you know, that we have. I don't, with, I don't with think them. so. I don't think so either. I think about that a lot, you know, Guns N' Roses, Metallica, Aerosmith uh, announcing their peace out farewell. 
I think of the top five bands, you know, I was always a big Motley Crue, 80s uh, hair kind of kid. After this is all said and done, what band replaces what you and I have lived the last, you know, 30, 35 years? I can't, I I think about when I'm going to be 60 or 70, who am I going to go see live? I can't think of one band. Uh, we, I've had this discussion with, with buddies, with Jericho, with, with, uh, with friends. I, I don't know. I wish I had that answer. You know, like people can say that, you know, like there's, you know, a Greta Von Fleet and, uh, you know, there's several other bands. There's, there's a lot of good young bands out there, but like. Good, but are they going to have the longevity? And I don't yes, think so. Right. Are there, yes. Are there, you know, are there, are there stars? Where's the next, you know, where's the next Slash? Where's the next Joe Perry? Where's the next, uh, uh, where's the next Zach Wild? Like, right, the, right. you know, the guitar, the guitar God is a thing of the past, you know? Um, yeah. I don't know. I hope that, you know, I hope a couple of these younger bands really hit, you know, can really like, you know, even like the Foo Fighters are, you know, they're certainly not a new band, but they're one that is, you know, has picked up that torch and is playing, selling out stadiums everywhere they go. But like, yeah, I don't, I don't know beyond that who it's going to be um, or if there's even going to be these giant concerts, you know, once these bands are all gone and let's be honest, you know, there's, you know, that we could see the end of that in the next 15, 20 years. Yeah, I'm like, who's going to fill up a stadium? It's it's not going to be asking Alexandria. It's not going to be Avenged Sevenfold. It's not going to be in this moment. It's it's not going to be no. anything close to what you and I are living right now. And no. absolutely, you know, kind of worries me. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, with any luck, we could hit another, you know, another boom period. I mean, you know, another, who knows, you know, which, you know, uh, for what, you know, grunge and Pearl Jam and Nirvana did in the early 90s, maybe there's going to be, you know, maybe there's pocket. There's a pocket of the country somewhere where these kids that are just doing right now this stuff that's unbelievable that we haven't heard yet. You know, I could only hope that for the future I hope so. of music. Yeah, me too, man. It's either that or we got to put up with Fozzie for the next forty years. Take your pick, Frankie. Oh, that's right. Hey, man, I, I, have, I have fun at Fozzie shows. And I've seen a lot of them, man. They're great. I'm, actually, I'm going fine, to see I'm, them. I'm, yeah, I'm fine. Actually, going to see them next week in Fort Myers. Oh, that'll be fun, man. Looking forward that'll be to fun. it. And the after party is also. Equally as fun. Okay. I'll, I'll make sure to squeeze into that somehow. <laughs> I'm sure you will. Yep. Uh, first time seeing Metallica live? Uh, July of 94. Uh, July 24th of 94. Uh, so I was a uh, junior in high school going into my senior year. Uh, they played out here in San Bernardino. The original lineup was Suicidal Tendencies, uh, Suicide Tendencies, Candlebox, Alice in Chains, Metallica. Strong. Um, yes, very much so. Shit in the um, sheds. Yep, exactly that. Um, Alice in Chains, uh, Lane had a, I think he had an overdose. This is long before he passed, but something happened. So they pulled out and they were replaced by Fight, which was Rob Halford's. Uh, yeah. Oh, I forgot about project. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Which was cool, which was cool. So, uh, and seeing, you know, ironically enough, seeing suicidal tendencies, which, you know, Rob was playing bass. Absolutely. Who would have thought? Yeah. So, um, that was my first time outdoor show. Uh, just so, so good. So, you know, I, I'd seen like the live shit binge and purge and like all, all the bootleg videotapes of them playing live and anything I could get my hand on, I'd seen, but just to experience it for the first time was surreal they they play you know at the time my favorite song was uh the god that failed still one of my very very favorites uh and they played that live which isn't a staple 
You know, not at not all. When they it's break still out rare lots. when they play it. Yeah, exactly. Did so they open they with Bread Fan? They did open with Bread Fan. Yep. Nice. Yep. Um, so yeah, so I uh, saw them, and you know, from then on, anytime they were anywhere near SoCal, Arizona, Nevada, uh, I was there. You know, and I've I've seen them in several states. You know, all over the country, pretty much at this point. But uh, that was the first of many, man, and uh, right just. Yeah, just mind boggling. It was so, it was so good. They sounded so good, uh, and it was like the first time. I was like, wow, they're real people. It's like there they yeah. are. Yeah, you know, even though I was way up in the lawn, it's like yeah, they're just not posters on my wall. They actually walk and talk. <laughs> the same way when I saw my first wrestling match live, it was like wow, I've only sure. seen this on TV, and these are, guys are actually doing this. It was it's it captivated me the same way, man. How many times have you seen Metallica? I think you said you were at the fortieth. Uh, I was at the 40th. I think I'm, I'm at 19 times live. Right I, I got it. I got it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was at the 40th. I was at night two of the 40th. Um, so I was last. And before that, I saw him in Vegas the year before that uh, or at 19, uh, right before everything shut down. So, yeah, I mean, I've, I've got to see him, you know, uh, all like I said, all over the country, um, you know, with, with some, you know, I saw him one, one of the most, the most special times I got to see them was they opened up for the Rolling Stones in San Francisco. Oh, you were at that show? Yes. That's when they opened and, with uh, Orion. Yep. And the reason this was special is because my dad's favorite band is the Rolling Stones. I'm a big Stones guy, too. Uh, my dad, uh, just just past two years since my dad passed, but my dad and I bonded over music so much, and he, uh and I remember always saying, like, man, if the Stones and Metallica ever play together, we're going. You know, but like, I didn't think it would happen. And then you thought, oh, this will never happen. That'd be like Metallica with you too. <laughs> never would have thought it. But right. but at the same time, you know, I was like, well, they did take GNR out for a couple dates in L.A. back in the day on the Steel Wheels tour. So true. Um, but anyways, they announced that, and I immediately, you know, being a fan club member, you know, was first priority got tickets and and. Uh, that, that was it was so cool because I was there with my dad, my mom, and my sister. Uh, but it was so weird because I had never seen Metallica as an opening act. So you very little lighting, no pyro, the sound was not. Metallica. That's hard to think about. Like, all right, everyone's just filing in, the house lights go down, and boom. Yeah, it was funny. Was the weird. band, the band Everclear, played before them, and then Metallica came up, and like you could tell in the crowd who was there to see Metallica. And who's ever see the Stones? And the Stones fans way outnumbered us. Uh, <laughs> Even I'm in never... San Francisco. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I, I know. I mean, I'm, I'm a big Stones guy, too. Um, love Mick and Keith and the guys. But uh, that that was real special, just to be able to see that and be able to share that with my old man. Absolutely. Um, but, yeah, but I, you know, I've gotten to see him in so many cool settings and cool concerts. and uh, just uh, I'm, I'm giddy anytime I see him. Anytime Ecstasy of Gold hits, I'm, I get those same goosebumps that I got the first time I saw him. Yeah, it's an immediate high in my world. Yeah. No matter how many times in a tribute band or listening to live shit or actually seeing them, anytime that first note hits, that first kind of bell downbeat, it's like shit's about yeah. to get real, and you can't and explain that everybody, feeling. Everybody knows that groundswell. Everybody's like, because everybody yeah. knows what's coming, man. It's yeah, it's yeah, it's indescribable, man. If you don't, you know, you, there's no words that can really describe that rush and just that. Sometimes it's uh, it might sound silly, man. I almost get like pseudo emotional, <laughs> you know. I do too. Like, dude, not every man. show, but there's moments where it's like, dude, you've seen them how many times, Shane, and the hair's still standing up. Holy fuck, man! Oh yeah, like, dude, at the 40th anniversary, you know, I'm there with my my buddies who I've been to pretty much every Metallica anything. We've been there together from when we were teenagers, yeah. young kids, to now dudes in our 40s. 
you know, you're there with your buddies, you share this with them and everybody's there for this, you know, we're all connected. You know, we all have that one thing in common. And when that hits, it, it does, man. It's like, there's been times where I'm like, Oh boy, like I get borderline choked up, dude. Like it's, 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 I'm not, I'm not afraid to admit it, man. Yeah. And it's funny how many guys, you know, I've gone to shows over the years with, with numerous people. And as the lights go down, you actually fist bump each other and have, and say, have a good show, man. Like you're actually like going to be up the there. Gig. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, yep. we're just riding the rail together, rocking out. Hopefully we catch a couple drumsticks and picks and it's like, yep. have a good show. Shit's getting real. So let's do this. But you're experiencing it together, man. It's that's yeah. that's what it is. You're experiencing. If you it. haven't seen it, you and you haven't felt it. You can't explain it. Right, right, one hundred percent, dude. It's funny how you said uh, going back to whether wrestling or Metallica when you see someone for the first time, how they're not posters on the wall, they're not characters, they're not cartoon characters, and we, they're on such a big pedestal, and they've been heroes for us forever and always will be. Have you have you ever seen a bad Metallica show? Have you ever seen a show where the heroes have let you down and you're like, oh man, that just took it down a notch for me? No. The worst Metallica show in my mind is better than the best show of any other band. Um well you know, said. and that's and again, well I'm I'm yeah, it's I've <clears throat> I'm biased, yes, but just sonically, they've always sounded great. They've always they've never mailed it in. And I've seen bands, dude, I've seen big name bands. Yes. Uh, high dollar bands and I've watched them and they're on autopilot. I can tell because, you know, not put, not comparing myself, but I'm also a performer and I can kind of recognize when somebody is out there just giving it a hundred percent, busting their ass and pouring themselves into a performance. And when guys are out there performing songs and making a lot of money, you know, it's like, and I say, we, we all, we all know bands that do that. I can honestly say I've never, I've never, came out of a Metallica concert and went like, that was all right. It's always, man, again, yeah. dude, another one. It's like, man, that may be the best. You know, yeah. everyone, everyone's almost better than, yes, there's concerts I like better than other than others, of course. Um, but I've, again, I've never, I've never seen them not just give everything they have. And I've never, I've never been disappointed with the sound, anything. It did any, right. and I've seen them in, you know, I've seen them in arena stadiums, uh, amphitheaters, everything. And they've always just, they've always exceeded expectations. And you got to think 58, 59, pushing 60 years old. Jeff just turned 30. I just turned 42. And I think about how my body's changed the last 14 years of yeah. playing, you know, a two and a half, three hour nonstop show. I'm thinking two hours at age 60 at, and, and still not phoning or cashing it in. That's impressive. They, it, it really is. And they all... You know, just I've I'm sure like like you, I've been looking at all the bootleg footage I can of the Amsterdam shows and the Paris shows and just watching and they all look so good. James yeah. looks so good, man. He looks lean. He sounds and, amazing. and sounds. Yes. His, his sounds vocals so good. I thought hardwired. He was pretty healthy, but vocal wise, he is way beyond par right now. He, he sounds amazing. And they all they're all moving well. They all this the energy. um it's amazing. Again, it's inspiring. You know, it's inspiring because you can tell they're, dude, they're obviously, they don't, they're there because they want to be there, man. These aren't guys that, you know, had, uh, you know, uh, IRS problems or have, you know, <laughs> have public, you know, public, you know, bankruptcies and stuff. These are all guys that are, you know, very smart, you know, well balanced individuals who have, you know, uh, solid foundations where they could, they could 
right off into the sunset. They're doing this because they love it. And that, and that is recognized by us, the fans. This is not Jack Russell folks. And this is not John Karabi. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. 100% man. It's fun to watch. And you know, at the end of the, the show you and I do with Jericho to think this all almost came to an end. Oh, one, Oh, two, Oh, three. And, and 20 years later, magnetic, hardwired, 72. As fans, I consider myself damn lucky. Uh, very, very lucky. I was just thinking about this the other day. I'm a big Jason Newstead guy. Like, I love Jason Newstead. He's a huge reason I picked up the bass guitar. Obviously, Cliff, too, but I never, you know, uh, yeah, Cliff was this this mythical guy. When I got into Metallica, Cliff was this mythical legend, and obviously he's – He's one of one. I loved Jason's energy. I loved his. I loved his voice when he sings backup. I love his voice yeah, on the solo stuff. Can't match that. No, and his energy. And um, I just. I still remember walking into. I worked at a gym, and I remember walking in, and the girl that worked there also small gym. Who's all? She was a musician and a fan of rock and metal. And she's like, "Hey, did you hear Jason's leaving Metallica?" And I was like, "Like you would have thought she told me like someone in my immediate family like passed." Sure. I was so I was just like, no, he's not. She's like, I swear, I just saw it on MTV News, and I kept MTV News on. And I finally saw it. And I was I was crushed. I was like, what? Like that's I couldn't even fathom it. Like, what do you mean leaving? Like, what's wrong with you, dude? Right. Uh, and then you know, and then obviously finding out, and then some kind of monster and all that. And like you said, seeing how close this came, it's like I don't want to live in a world without Metallica. Yeah, it got scary. It got scary for a point there. And then, you know, you see some kind of monster insane anger, and there was still a part of me where I'm like, is this going to continue, or was this just one last effort where this might not work? And it's like, yeah. holy shit, I'm actually scared. Yeah. I'm scared. I'm scared what I'm going to do, and now I fast forward to 23, and I'm like, I'm actually scared what I'm going to do when they actually do hang it up. Yeah, I know. Because you think uh, about, you talk about bootlegs and being a Met Club member, and you know, Let's be honest, we're on Facebook and Instagram scouring videos of just sometimes some pretty stupid shit just to get one yep. last glimpse behind the scenes. What am I going to do when they fold it up? Yeah, I, same. I mean, I, I, I find myself watching concerts and videos and clips that I've seen dozens <laughs> of times. How many times and, have you watched a year I, and a half in the life? Oh, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I literally wore the videotape out <laughs> the vhs DVD. out yeah uh everything i there's like things like there's they there was this one uh called a week and a half in life of metallica where they're over in europe and it's mm -hmm. right before it's you know they play they play two by four and they play yeah and they play that and it's it's just it's just them being silly and they're like in england and france or, and like playing that's like the original and, uh fan can footage exactly the fan can one and fan can two I've watched that dozens of times. I've watched the special where uh, on MTV where a guy won Metallica, won the opportunity for Metallica, play at a bar in his town. I've watched that. like <laughs> The mother load. <laughs> the mother load. That was it. Yep, that's it. Yeah. I've watched that dozens of times. I've watched like just everything, everything. I just, I, it's, it's comfort food. You yeah, know? It is. totally. It's, it's like, it's like a safety net. Yeah. It's, someone it's asked like, me, I'm sorry. Someone asked me, it was about a month ago. Shane, take a real estimate how many times you've watched Cliff Amal or a year and a half. And I I sat there and I honestly said, dude, I can't even come close. But both of them, 
could very well be near a thousand. <laughs> and they're like, and- they're like, that's impossible. I'm like, no, it's not because I'm thinking about from the time I discovered them in grade school to the time, you know, I would come home every day and it'd be pick out a VHS. We're putting in and we're going to watch the whole thing with my buddies. I mean, I, it just got ridiculous. I, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't doubt that. Uh, I'm the same way. I probably to this day could, could word for word uh, tell you everything James says in between every song on live shit, binge and purge every, every, every nuance, every little, you know, uh, same for a year and a half. I can tell you, I can probably quote the dialogue. It's, it's uh, again, like, uh, you know, I, I'll probably go watch, I'll probably, I, I guarantee you I'll watch something Metallica related tonight, yeah. you know, whether it's, whether it's new, you know, footage of the Paris stuff, or if it's something from, you know, if it's Seattle from 89 where they play, you know, the thing that should not be in something. A big old fat motherfucker. Yep. Yep. That's, <laughs> that's how he intros it. It's just those times, you know, banter word for word, whether it's a CD or, you know, something on TV. And my girlfriend's like, you are fucking ridiculous. I'm like, hey, there's 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 worse obsessions out there. My wife is also. Yeah, she's she's I've also been called that Uh, funny talking about binge and purge at the time. James um, famously drank a lot on stage, but he was only drinking Coors Light. Uh, So during that whole time, me and my buddies. We drank nothing but Coors Light. And Coors, Just and because I'm, of that. <laughs> Silver Bullet. And not a fan, but. But you drink like, it. <laughs> this is what James drinks, dude. It's like, so like we, we wouldn't drink it. We only drank Coors Light because that's what James drinks. It's like, <laughs> I thought you were going to sing the banter when he's like, when I get you in my gut. Oh, yeah. It makes me play so way too fucking, fucking good. good. Yeah. <laughs> Not only do you know the banter, but you drank it and hated it. That's true dedication. Uh, it's, it is, yeah. Guys, oh, I love hilarious. your course like, yeah, when I get you in my guts, you make me play way too fucking good. That's it, yep. Loved it, man. Coors Light. That is one thing I miss about the old James. Is like it was that banter is like when he was a character, not a person. Oh, it just when you think of that Seattle, like hot beers out in the car and like you know waking the neighbors up. Yeah, I gotta admit that's a part of James I really do miss. Was it healthy? No, but I miss it. (laughs) Yeah, now that I'm drunk, hopefully you're (laughs) drunk. Let's and it's like I got that guy drunk for free. Yeah. And it's like, think about that. Like, like, what a pro. Like, that guy probably, and he probably was shit-faced at the end of the night. But, dude, his playing never suffered. He's never, you know, he's not forgetting no. words. He's, his, you know, his picking isn't, he's not missing a beat on those fucking town strokes. You know, it's unreal, no. man. You know, I think about what I consider, you know, not knowing him, but knowing him, the rough years probably you know, the early nineties to the early two thousands and how many shows I saw between 96 and right until Jason left. 
some of those shows still stick out as the most memorable, the most powerful, and delivered every night. And you got to think the lifestyle he was living, fucking unbelievable. And it just makes you appreciate him now, how healthy he is and how good he sounds. And uh, funny, going back to your point, it's, it's um, you know, timeline-wise, knowing when Jason kind of made the decision to leave, which was when they were filming the classic albums, black album yeah, thing. Yeah. And, um, you know, seeing shows, watching shows around that time, and just seeing like the vibe, like how it's like, you know, watching like shows from that summer and like, you know, Jason and James are up there like bumping fists and everything. And I'm like, God, four months later, it was, it was over. Jason was ready to tell. I was, it's, so it's just weird to like, you know, as a fan at the time watching that, we didn't know like that to that fade to black performance on MTV or whatever it was, which was the last one with Jason. We didn't VH1 know. one out in the parking lot. That's it. Yeah. But like, but now you go back and you watch him. Jason's just kind of by himself. You that know, whole song, he, he doesn't interact with anybody. It's and it's like, but you're not, you know, at the time you're not thinking anything. You're just like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, but then you watch it back. It's like, oh man, like, God, now you're feeling it. It's mm-hmm. like, what? think of what he was going through, you know, on the verge of leaving that, you know, yeah. and it's just like, it's the weight of that, like that, man, that's that I can't, I can't put myself in his skin, man. That had to be so inconceivable. There's three or four shows from that little mini M2K run right Mm -hmm. after Y2K Mm -hmm. that still stand out to me as some of the most powerful and most in-your-face, we-are-here-to-steamroll-everybody kind of Metallica performance from that era. Yeah, And to think that that shit was going down during that period, it's, it's hard to fathom how those four got it together and put the pedal to the metal, no matter what's going on, to still throw it on for everyone, and you never knew anything going on. Well, thank you, Phil Toll, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, that poor guy gets crucified, man, but you know what? He's he's an important part of why we are still enjoying them, man, to be honest. Absolutely. Jeff and I have had Phil on the show twice, and just amazing, That's right, man. amazing conversation. How's Phil doing? I, I bet, man. Doing great. He's pushing 80 now. He's pushing 80 now, had some great insights. Jeff and I could have talked to him for for ten hours, and you know, sure. you know, you know, every, we're not going to dig deep. Everything's confidential, you know, a patient client kind of yeah. kind of agreement. But think of the things we don't know, and you know, Jeff kind of pushed him like, how close was it to really coming to an end? Even after you showed up, even after Jason left, and he's like, there was two moments where I thought, there's no way they're going to come back tomorrow, and it's over. Wow. I'm like, yeah, even after he that, showed up, shit was absolutely yeah. dicey. I would love to see um, two things I'd like to see. We talked about this on the uh, on Jericho's podcast. I want to see and hear all the Presudio stuff that they scratched. Uh, St. Anger box set dreams, Frankie. Yeah, yeah, right, well, <laughs> we got tw- this is the 20th anniversary. So, fingers oh, crossed. man. Uh, and I would love to see the, um, you know, because the cameras were rolling with Jason was in the room. With, yes, with yes. on those early, like I would like, that's me being super invasive and super pushy. You know, it's not my right to see that's what, but as a fan and as again, somebody that thinks that I know all these guys, like, right, I, right. I, God, I'm just fascinated to see that conversation, but uh, it was probably so raw and emotional and draining. It would probably, it would probably, it would probably kind of hurt as to watch it, you know? That's a good point. Think about if you could, if you could dig up any footage that you knew existed in 42 years, now that you say that, it's like 
five, ten minutes of footage of Jason walking out saying this is over with. Yeah. That, that'd probably be the one you'd go to. Just because it, it would be fascinating. It would be, yeah. it would, you know, it's like. Timeless. It's like, yeah. It's like watching the video of uh, your parents get, saying divorce. You know, it's like, it's, it's almost, it's, it's just, yeah. It would, I don't care about mom and dad. I want to see Newstead leaving the hotel room. <laughs> Bucket list material. And it's weird though. And, you know, like Jason obviously is the sacrificial lamb and, you know, that's, that's been documented, but like uh, another question, like if Jason stays, is Metallica still, does this version of Metallica is, I don't, I don't know if it, that's a good point. You know, like what happens? You know, like what happens if Jason stays? It's uh, you can. I mean, what happens if Cliff doesn't pass? There's all types of uh, parallel timelines in the metallic. You know, there's all types of different, you know, (laughs) these are the things that you and I think about when we wake up and when we go to bed. It really is, man. It really is. These alternate universes where Cliff is alive. And this is way off topic, but this happened the other night for about the 47th time. How many times have you dreamt you're hanging out with Metallica? Oh, I've, yeah, I've, I've, I've had, <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh yeah. I've, I've, I've had, yeah, I've, I've had dreams where I'm opening for them. I've had dreams <laughs> yes. where I've had dreams where they ask me to sit in on bass for a song that I know and I fuck it up. You I've know, had dreams of them like knocking on the front door. Like, Hey, can we come in and hang out for a bit? Yeah. It's like, Oh yeah. How'd you know I was home? And again, it's probably cause we like, you know, we've, we, we have relationships with these guys, you know, we, we really do. We have relationships with them. You can't, you know, follow a band and be and at such an intimate level and know them, you know, personally, like, like we do and not have this relationship with them, you know, uh, in your wrestling, do you have walk-up music? I do. Are you allowed to have Metallica? So, uh, on, on television, no, you know, unless they license it, you know, it's, it's all sure. you're dealing with rights and licensing and all that. But when I was doing independence, I used, um, yeah, I, I mean, I got to use my, one of my early favorites was bread fan. I used that just because the energy was, was high. Nice uh, dude. Yep. Yeah, I used, I, I was a bad guy for a while and I used Sabbath true. This is all in the Indies. I always so, yeah, thought I'm, bread fan would be amazing. Like baseball walk-up music, just how that kind of builds with the riff. Oh yeah. I love that song. I love, and I love that. Oh, that, like, that was the first song I ever saw them play. Um, my, my, uh, I'm lucky that I'm, I became pals with Jamie Josta of hate breed. And, uh, he, uh, he has a song called deadly business that Josta that he did is the band Josta and uh, him and I were talking, I was on his podcast years ago and he was talking about, you know, give, you know, uh, creating that, you know, that synergy between, you know, MMA and wrestling and music and hardcore music and, you know, and all that. And I, I, I found the song of his that I loved. I was like, Hey man, would you be cool with me using this and licensing it to me? And he was like, absolutely, man. And we got, we got, Oh, huge. And he gave it to me gratis, and uh, still to this day, that's what I use. A song called "Deadly Business," and it just it just got that energy and that drive, and it's such a kick ass song. And I'll probably use that song for the rest of my career. That's huge. That's huge. Yeah. Really so cool. cool he's, of him. he's such a good dude, man. He's like you know, he, he if he was in the room, he'd be having the same conversation with us, man. Very cool. Yeah, I didn't know if it was up to you with licensing or the leagues or the companies that you're in. I yeah, know I mean, like it's a little dicey. Yeah, I mean, like usually, you know. Um, like WWE had an in-house composer and, you know, every once in a while they would, you know, they would um, license like, uh, like uh, for this year's WrestleMania, they used um, edge came out. Uh, they played the first minute and a half of South of heaven by Slayer. Uh, Cause he was doing this, you know, this character was kind of being presented as like coming from solid, heaven. solid. 
you know, and they did a thing years ago where uh, Triple H came out and he, uh, they came out to whom the bell tolls, you know, before it kicked into his music. So, Remember that. And, you know, and you got like Motorhead doing his music. So there's been some crossover, but uh, usually it's, you know, um, they, uh, you know, it's in-house, it's produced, you know, by them or it's in a, it's in a, a stock library that they use. And, um, but yeah, it's a, music's very important to me. So I always, uh, you know, my, my band wrote a couple of our entrance music that I used when I was in AEW, but yeah, going forward, I got this music from Jamie and I love it. And, uh, it's solid it's, yeah, who I am. Yeah. I know nothing about licensing. If, if you were to call up Metallica or Q Primer, whatever Avenue you had to take for one song, what kind of money are we talking about? Oh boy. Oof. I'm with a band like Metallica. Um, I mean, Guns N' Roses, ACDC, Metallica. Yeah, you're looking at, you're looking at, I, 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 again, this is on the very little knowledge I have and the things I've heard, you're probably looking at easily mid six figures. Wow. Holy shit. Uh, is, I mean, I, and I, that's I, I, like one time use or for a season or that I don't know. I, okay. I, you know, I think, I think it's different. I think some, you know, have like a, you know, a, a year. Uh, wow. You know, like obviously, you know, one time is probably going to be a little less expensive than, you know, uh, a year. But um, something I've uh, never thought about. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's wow. Jericho may have a little more uh, knowledge of this because uh, just because of his position. But um, I, I know it's not cheap. I know it's certainly not cheap. Um, All right. We want you must burn for a decade. That'll be five million dollars. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's, Do you take visa? Yeah. Right. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. I knew it'd be high, but when you said six, I'm like, damn. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, and again, you know, in this day and age, uh, Metallica being the exception, obviously, because they're a band that's had a lot of financial success, but like these bands, that's, you know, they're not making money selling records the way they used to. No. So, so, you know, for a band that's not on the level of a Metallica or an ACDC or a GNR, like, you know, that could be a, a game changer. All right, I got to ask some serious questions here because Jeff and all I on right. a podcast for all always have some serious Metallica list that you have to make, Frankie. Oh boy, okay. You are stranded on the I Disappear Island for the rest of your life. You get okay. five songs for the rest of your life. They have to be Metallica. What five are you bringing with you? Oh my God. Um, all right, so I'm probably going to try to pick. You know, I'm probably trying to go with a ballad. I'm going to go with something speed metal. I'm going to go with something mid-tempo. A little variety. Uh, I like this. Yeah, you know, so it's like I got to probably do Fade to Black. Okay. Um, you know, just one of my all-time favorites. Um, uh, I'm going to do one because that, um, you know, that uh, middle breakdown part uh that really just cemented that I love this type of music. And again, open that door for me. Father, I need help. I'm in terrible trouble and I need help. Don't you remember when you were little? How you and Bill Harper used to bring a wire between the two houses so you could telegraph to each other? Bill remember the Morse code? Fade to black. I'm gonna go one. I'm gonna go God that failed because wow, so, something about wow. that song from the first time I heard it, I've loved it. 
Uh, I, again, going back to pro wrestling, when I first heard it, I was like, this well, of course you like it. It's, you're a bass player. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> just, it's that driving. It's just so, but I was some, like, this some Newstead doom. Yep. Yep. And the bass on that album sounds so good, which is, which is a whole other story. But, the best. Uh, yeah, I just always loved that. So, yeah, God the Failed, Fade the Black, One. Um, oh, my God. Uh, uh, you know, I'm going to – I have to throw Master of Puppets. Um, uh, you know, that's obviously one of their favorite songs. My son and I recently, he's, you know, 10 years old, uh, kind of starting to get into like, you know, his favorite song was, was by Blue Oyster called, called Godzilla. He's starting to get into ACDC and GNR and Metallica and that the big Stranger Things episode. I was just going to uh, ask, was it because of the show? Yes, yes. And I, uh, so I had seen it, but I just rewatched the whole episode with him and my wife. And, uh, that, in that episode, I told him, I said, dude, this is my favorite episode. He's like, why? And I was like, you'll see. And then he saw the whole thing. And he's like, so every time we get in the car, now, he's like, yeah, can I listen to Master of Puppets? He's like, yeah. Nice, so like, nice. right now, that's his new favorite song. So, um, you know. So and just, your wife is rolling her eyes. Yeah. yeah she, she's like, she's, she's been of his alpha <laughs> with me. You know, she's not, she's not, you know, a rider diamond. She's, you know, she went with me to the big four out here in Indio. But, you know, if Metallica comes around, she's like, you go with your friend Joe. That's your thing. She's cool, like, I don't cool. want it, you know. Um, uh, so, yeah, so it's cool just, you know, for me and my son, my 10-year-old son to be driving out of the car, and both go, master, That's master. cool, man. That's so, cool. Yeah, That's so special. Like that, wait till that, he's 15, 16, just all in. I can't wait. I'm gonna, I'm shoving it down his throat because. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Some so, fun so, years in the car. So what do I got? I got master. I got one. I got God that failed. I got fade to black and one more. Man, you know, oh, my God. It's so, oh. It's tough. We hear it all the time. Yeah, it, it really is, man. Like, uh, you know, now sitting here right now, maybe pick something off the new record just to have that, you know, because these are all older songs. These are all 30 and 40 years old. Maybe an Inamorata. I don't know. Maybe. I, I, I'll i say that right now. I mean, dude, sure. if, you ask me, if you ask me this question tomorrow, this list could be completely different. You know, it's like. We'll have you on next week. It'll be all fucking 180. It, I'll, I'll come out of the disguise so it doesn't, I don't feel, yeah. Uh, but yeah, maybe those five. Let's go with those five for now. And uh, it's just, each song has such a, like, I'm sure with you guys, every song on every record has a different meaning to you. You know, it brings you back to a different time or when you first heard it or what, what you were driving, where you it's were true. sitting, who you it's were all- with. Jeff and I say it a lot. It's time stamps in your life. Your car, who your girlfriend was, what grade you were in, what you were drinking at the time, what you were eating. There's still something wild. I tell the story a couple times. The day that the, the day that the day that never comes came out. Mm. My dog at the time was chewing on this God awful smelly, like rawhide. It was like a hoof, some, some hoof that you on. Yeah, the smell of that. Anytime I hear the day that never comes, that Let's smell see. comes back to me yeah. instantly. And I tell people that they're like, Shane, you're a fucking freak. I'm like, no, these songs are timestamps in my life. And it's been my whole it's it's been the whole soundtrack to my life. Is it music? Awesome, dude. It like, is. What, what else? What How else powerful you... is that? That's smell what I'm a saying, fucking man. dog bone. Right. <laughs> it, yeah. Yeah. Like I remember. Yeah. It, the same thing. I remember like anytime I'll hear uh, ain't my bitch. Uh, I remember going to the warehouse in Palm Desert, California, buying the record, not putting it on my CD because I wanted to hear it on my home stereo, driving home. I remember putting it in to my, my parents' house where my mom still lives, 
sitting on the on the left side of the couch and just hearing that first. Every time I sit on that couch, I look and I see that old stereo and I remember how I felt, man. I don't remember where I sat yesterday at my house, but you remember <laughs> right. what ass cheek was on what side of the couch when you heard yeah, it's 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 it's. Uh, I love music, man. It's so it's so cool. Here's the toughest question you're gonna get all night. Jeff loves this segment. Wish he was here to talk. Your song that should not be one song you can't stand. You wish it never happened from the boys. Hmm. The song that should not be. And we're just talking Metallica studio albums. We're not talking Lulu's or anything like that. No, uh, Saint yeah. Anger and uh, Lulu's off the off the table, bud. Sorry. Not even Saint Anger. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. We uh, used to have stipulations. We've been a, we've been a little lax with them, but we we try to go deep here. Something that might surprise the rest of the world. It's probably going to be. It might be something off Death Magnetic or Hardwired. God, I love those records, though. Maybe even one of the, um, yeah, maybe even one of the Beyond Magnetic songs, huh? Maybe That's fair. Of, do those we just count? reviewed that a couple. We just reviewed that okay. a couple weeks ago. We did a kind of a cliff of notes on it. And again, this is uh, God. This is like if I had, you know, if I had four children and I needed to sacrifice one so the other three <laughs> could live. I guess this is what we're doing, you know. That's like, what we're talking about, like man. Any, we're digging deep into that head. Yeah, a god, maybe like you know, like a uh, maybe like a hate train. Man, okay, I guess yeah. Just because you know what, let's just uh, let's go with hate train because it's not you know they didn't care enough to put it on the record, so I <laughs> uh, you know so I don't feel too bad. Um, hate train, it is you know. But again, every again, I'll probably go down a hate train wormhole in the next six months, you know, and like a couple months, you'll call me back. You'll be like, dude, no, that's not my answer. I got to change it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's you know maybe some stuff off load and reload, but God, I, every one of those songs has meaning to me. Maybe that's just it. Maybe those songs I'm just you know I listen to them, but like those, they don't have the meaning. They're not on the record. I didn't sit and digest them the way I just did on sure, all the sure. songs of seventy two seasons. So sure, yeah. So yeah, that's I'm doing Hey Train. I think I found I, like I think it, I found a, a loophole in the system. I like for it. Something that's that's a release, but not an official. Okay, yeah. Well, we've touched about a third of them podcast for all special segments. We like digging deep. We like getting into your head. It really does, man. That's cool. Like I've never, you know, and the question is always like, well, your favorite songs. And I was just like, what songs do you do without? It's like, you know, if you had to make a list, if you had to make an album of songs that have to go, like, you know, like here's 12 that have to go. And it's like, God, it'd be interesting to think, you know. We've heard shit, if you can believe this, like Call of Cthulhu, Orion, oh, man. Eye of the Beholder, Struggle Within. Oh, uh, gosh. We and people have been just one hundred percent can't stand that shit, and it's like, wow. You know, when I for some reason when I was younger, um, I was not a huge fan of Welcome Home Sanitarium. The album, the album version, uh, it just like great song. I love it now, great song. But it was always just like, eh, if there's one, I'm gonna get. You know, if I'm, I'm gonna skip past, it's gonna be that. However. Playing it when they did it live, I loved it. Um, but I don't know, just like uh, like live shit or something newer. Just even anytime they played it live on on live shit or anything, any you know, I just I I loved I loved the energy of it. But like, uh, I went through this phase where I was just like, 
sanitarium's okay. And like, I had buddies who are like, dude, sanitarium's awesome. And I'm like, it's just, you know, and now I, I really do think sanitarium's awesome, but it's, I remember going through a weird phase and this is early on into my fandom. That was interesting. Like, yeah. It's straight. I don't know why. Weird. Interesting. Yeah. It's weird to hear songs. They're just classic off of puppets. Like, yeah, I didn't dig them, but now it's one of my favorites. And that's the only one. Cause puppets is, you know, maybe my favorite record, but uh, it's uh, uh, so solid. But yeah. There's just for some reason. It was just like, I, I know I just, I love the energy when they play it live, but just the studio recording, I was like, eh, it's good, but being a bass player, 42 years, if you could pick one bass to get to sit down on jam on, what would it be? Uh, it's got to be, it's got to be one of Cliff's Rickenbackers. Uh, Solid. You know, maybe, um, maybe the one he's playing on Day in the Green, or maybe, uh, God, maybe the shit, you know what, maybe the one that he, shit, the one he wrote, you know, Anastasia, or the one he wrote, you know, Orion on, or one of the, like, yeah, just, you know, I, I would, you know, I would love, I would love to, I'd love to play that bass and make it sound awful compared to Cliff. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just that, hold it. Just, I'll make it sound awful, but just let me hold it and play a couple notes. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be, it's got to be one of those. You know, it's like it's just such. It's so iconic in the lore of Metallica. You know, like if uh, I don't, you know, I don't play guitar, but I would love to play the Eat Fuck guitar. You know, just because yeah, I've seen yeah. that guitar for so long. You know, but uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, God, dude, if I if I could just if I could handle any of those guys' bases, I'd be honored. But God, to play one of those Rickenbackers, man, just whew. yeah, I hear you. I thought you were gonna go with a Newstead axe. Uh yeah, I mean, you know, that's uh, I, I loved all of his bases too. You know, especially that that six string he had with the big old fat string on it. Uh, but it's just that you know that just I think the mystique of it all draws me into it. Plus, I'm a big Motorhead fan too, and I love Lenny, and I kind of love that sound and the look of that bass. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Motorhead, were you a fan of Murder One? Yes or no? A lot of hate about that on this show. Yeah, I, you know, I dug it. I, I, I thought it was, you know, I'm like, how cool they're doing an homage to Lenny, like, and the song is fine. You know, it's uh, not their best, but I was like, dude, and these, to put these, that on a main record. Yeah, but it's like these guys are. These guys are, you know, wearing their inspiration on their sleeve, you know, and and you know, I love lots of people are like, well, it doesn't sound like a Motorhead song. It's, like, well, it's not the idea. It's like the idea is it's Murder One. That was the name of his of his amp, and that was and they're amp talking head. about this yeah. guy, and they're using of his, of his head. I'm sorry, and uh, you know, they're talking about you know, you know, Iron Fist and all this stuff, you know, like just uh, I, I just thought it was like it's how classy of them, you know. They're obviously all hugely inspired by Motorhead, especially Lars. Uh, and it was cool. Yeah, and I remember uh, maybe even Jericho didn't like that. I remember listening to his review of that. and he, I don't know if he liked it, but a lot of people didn't. That's been common. I love the yeah. video for it, too, and it just people just shit all over it. The animated one with Lenny. If you can get any better it. tribute. Yeah, I loved it. So cool, At the man. rainbow and in the car yeah. and playing with his amp. I'm like, that was well done. Yeah. I don't understand that you know, some people, you know, they, they they hate things for the strangest reasons, you know. Well, we're Metallica fans. We have a license we do. to do that. We absolutely do. Yep. Professional <laughs> Metallica fans. Professional, yep. man. We've been chatting for an hour and six minutes, Frankie. It's flowing by. Anything else you want to chat about? Oh, man. That that we haven't touched, that you wanted to hit on, something new, something old, something funny. Anything else before we wrap it up here? It's been a oh, blast. Oh, man. Just know it has been a blast. Like I said, we could, you know, I can't believe it's been an hour. You know, it feels like it's been 15 minutes just because – 
it goes fast. Just wish Jeff was here. Big wrestling fan. It just kills me he's not here for we'll, this. We'll but, do it again, uh, man. We'll thanks, do Scott. it again. Uh, no, you know, Love same, to. same like you guys. You know, we have, it sounds like we have a lot in common. You know, we, we, we're obsessed with these, this band. They've, they've touched our lives. They've been a part of our lives. Long, we've had relationships with Metallica long. We've had with a lot of friends and girls and relatives even. And, uh, girls, yeah, wives, everything, all yeah. the above. Uh, you know, Shane, how long were you married? A couple of years. <laughs> how long have you been with your girlfriend? Oh, a while now. Tell us more. Well, I've been married to Metallica yeah. since 95. Yeah. <laughs> and then the same thing, like being musicians and being inspired by them and learning their songs and all that. And, you know, and having now this, this summer, looking forward to going and seeing them in SoFi and uh, just the new music. It's just, it's so, like, like I said on the Jer- on Jericho's podcast, it's such a cool time to be a Metallica fan right now. It's um. I'm so Exciting. glad. You are, you are going to SoFi? Yeah, I'm going to both shows at SoFi. Yep. Okay. Yep. Let's try to hook up. I'll be there. Oh, will you really? Let's do it, man. Yeah, yep. let's be in touch, dude, for sure. Can't say thank you enough. Jeff's going to be uber jealous. We're going to have to have you back. Please, man. Anytime, dude. Like I said, I could, I could talk I could talk Metallica and music all day, bro. Mr. Frankie Kazarian, Joshua Tree, California. We will see you soon. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother.